What's up, gentlemen? This is Rising Phoenix Podcast, a podcast about how to rise up after your divorce. I'm your host, divorce coach, Michael Rhodes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is Elaine Miller-Karras. She is the co-founder of the Trauma Resource Institute. Elaine, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I'm a social worker and I founded the Trauma Resource Institute. And also I created two models of intervention, one called the Community Resiliency Model, the other called the Trauma Resiliency Model. And essentially they're body-based interventions to help people heal after a traumatic experience. And I'm also a blogger on Psychology Today. I think that's how you found me. I also have a talk show called Resiliency Within on Voice America. Um, I've I've published a, a book called Building Resiliency to Trauma, uh, the Community and Trauma Resiliency Models. That's actually, I just published the second edition in March. So I do a lot of stuff and some people call me a social entrepreneur. I think it's because I'm trying to change the world in positive ways. And I think you're trying to do that with Rising Phoenix too, from what I understand. Yeah, I say that's pretty accurate. Um, I'm going to throw a curveball because uh, it just hit me. Um, one of the things I like to do is define things. Um, and and I think it's it probably would make some sense if we define trauma. Everyone has sort of, a, I know there's a clinical definition and everyone sort of has their own sort of way that they describe it, but how do you describe such well, defined trauma? Great, great question. Trauma is too much, too fast, or too long um, with things that may have happened to us in our life. Um, it could be, for example, too much for too long could be child abuse. Mm. Too much for too long could be a marriage that was not doing very well and you stayed in it too long. Um, too much too fast can be an earthquake. It can be, you know, we've been having a lot of shootings in the United States, things that are unexpected. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of a simple um, sure. definition because what happens when we have those experiences, it's, it dysregulates the nervous system. It bumps us out of our kind of zone of well-being. I call it the resilient zone. And it can actually bump us out for a long time before we can get back kind of kind of steering the ship again of our own lives. But it also can be, there's been other ways it's been described, big T, little T, and C trauma. So big T traumas are the huge things, right? The um, earthquakes, war, um, little T traumas. And I, they're important to distinguish because like I had a terrible dentist when I was a kid. So I have to go to the dentist's office down. My mother would go, Oh, Elaine, don't be a wuss. They're just going to clean your teeth. But for me, it was kind of an existential moment. I, the dentist was mean, right? So little T traumas are not, a, it's, they're, it's not that it's a little T to, to the person, but people tend to marginalize Sure. Those kinds of traumas, like they're no big deal, but they could be a big deal for the person. And then C trauma is cumulative trauma. And that's an important distinction as well, because we have historical trauma. We have things that have happened to our communities that impact us in the present moment. And we have our own personal histories. And then we have all the things that happen to us in life that can kind of all, you know, get stuck together and then Sometimes it can be the smallest thing, you know, like the straw that breaks the camel back, that camel's back, that we can't function. And we're going, gosh, I've been through so much. Why did this thing throw me off my game? Yeah. So that's kind of a simple way. I think maybe a more conversational way to talk about trauma. 
Yeah, no, it's excellent. I, I, and it's, you know, not too, it doesn't stray too far from what we've talked about on this podcast before with other guests and stuff. Um, but I think it's just important to, to sort of define things and understand them. And so, um, well, you can't understand it if you don't define it. So let's, on that sort of tip and on that uh, definition sort of um, uh, view, uh, in your, where I found you, like you said, psychologytoday.com, uh, in your blog post, you talk about mindfulness but with a trauma uh informed view so let's first again define what is mindfulness okay and before i do that i'm going to say one thing sure. all those adversities that you or i or any of your listeners may have happened does not define our future adversity is not our destiny i like to say that sure. and so one of the you know there's many healing practices that are under the kind of the large umbrella of a mindfulness practice. So I'm just going to give you the the um the clinical definition from the American Psychological Association which they say you know mindfulness is an awareness of one's internal states um and surroundings. And so what does that mean? Right? <laughs> it means being aware of the present moment and that there's practices that you can do that helps you be aware of the present moment. Why is that important? Because when we're in the when we have present moment awareness and not only our mind but our body our spirit we're not thinking about the future we're not thinking about the past we can attend to what's happening to us in the here and now and i think that's one of the most important things about mindfulness practices and there's many kinds of interventions that have been created there is um let's see cognitive based uh, mindfulness practices there's mindfulness um, based stress reduction mindfulness um, meditation so when your listeners are thinking, oh, I do, you know, I'm going to learn mindfulness, there's a lot out there. So to know that they're all not the same, and even each teacher might teach it a little bit differently, right? And so one of the things I've learned that's important about mindfulness practices, and one of the mindfulness practices that I created is called the community resiliency model. And what I learned about being trauma-informed, which is so important, is that let's say that you know someone and you're having a bad day and they go, just breathe with me, breathe. And you're going, okay. But sometimes when people say that, it's not helpful. And so we can still get stuck in what we call the high zone or low zone because the breathing thing's not working for us. Um, and also for some of us, when we bring attention to the breath, which is, it sounds like, you know, it's almost sounds like, how could that be since breath is life-giving? But the breath can be what's called a traumatic trigger. Mm. So it's not nourishing for us or settling. And that's when we say the trauma-informed lens takes in account the things that have happened to us. And when a mindfulness practice is introduced, it's introduced with the idea of, let me see if I can have a gentler approach and give choice when I start a mindfulness practice. Um, man, there's so much to this. It brings up so many questions. So <laughs> sure. uh, one of the things that I scribbled down was uh, autopilot. H how much of... Uh... How many of us do you think um, are mindful? And how how many of us? I, I know you can't give an exact number, but yeah, I don't have an exact number. Yeah, how how much of the population, the general population, is on autopilot versus being mindful and being in the present? I I think a large part of us live in the future or in the past. I think I think we do, and I think so. So I don't have the number for you, but I can sure. say that if we've had traumatic experiences. Sometimes it's hard to be in the present moment. Even it's hard to, to be in the present moment to experience our body as something that's our ally that helps us to get through things because our body might be connected to the traumas that we've had. 
And so sometimes people feel numb a lot of the time. And when we feel numb, um, we can go into what I call the low zone state. We can feel depressed, disconnected. Um, and sometimes if we're there so long, you know, we may develop conditions like um, a depressive disorder or an anxiety disorder. But I think the other thing that happens when we get into those low st zone states is we can start to do adrenaline seeking behaviors. Mm. We can do risky things or we can sure. start using too much alcohol or too many drugs sure. to the point that we're not you know, showing up as our best self. And so then we can go into these high zone states and then we only can stay there so long before we drop down into the low zone state again. We may not ever be in what I call the resilient zone, which is kind of like our wave of um, our vitality. It's like a zone of well-being. We can be sad in the in the, um, in the resili resilient zone. We can even be a little bit angry, but we can handle our emotions in it. Um, we can be calm, we can be happy, but the kind of resilient zone is not only a happy place. But so I think that, you know, to, you know, respond to your question, I think a lot of people go between these states and they're not mindful of the present moment. Like you're saying, they're in the future or in the past, or, and they can be very disconnected to the present because, there's so many sensations of overwhelm that they deal with every single day. Yeah. Um, God, this stuff is so fascinating to me because I think this is the key when you're going through a divorce, uh, especially when it's, it's not wanted uh, when, you know, if you were, you were left um, it, it is a trauma. I don't care what anyone says. I'm sure you would agree. Uh, anyone that yes. I've had on here um, has said the same. So yes. So, um, okay. So uh, let's talk about, I'm not sure if I want to talk about triggers or if I want to talk about sort of, let's just focus on, I think we'll get to the mind body stuff, but let's focus on what does a person do if they have lived that trauma of divorce and they're, um, I don't know if we want to look at immediate weeks to months out or even years later, what does a person do um, to heal and move past that? How do you, how do you get, through something that you have a very hard, you got, you got many, many triggers, um, from music to foods, to restaurants that you drive by to your children that look potentially exactly like your spouse or, or your ex-spouse or whatever. Like, what does a person do to start moving forward after this sort of divorce trauma? Well, I'd say the first thing, you know, do you have a network of caring people around you? Is there somebody that you can talk to? You know, sometimes people do go to therapy for the first time, but therapists aren't for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think having the, those kinds of people in your life that you know they gotcha. Yeah. You know, they'll say, you know, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Let's, you know, if you need to talk to me, you come and, you know, they can they can sit with your pain with you. Mm -hmm. And so that you don't feel alone. Because I think what happens for many people in this situation is they feel really alone. What do they do? Where where do they go? So trying to start building those relationships or even sometimes reignite relationships, because yeah. sometimes if depending on the, the marriage, some partners are not very uh, embraceive of friendships. Yeah. And so that those friendships may have been severed or at least they're they're weaker. So it's like, hey, you know, I realize that things happened. 
um, I went down a trajectory with my ex that I really want to see if we can maybe start to talk again and, and be friends. And you know those people in your life, right? The ones that have right. your back, right? Yeah. But maybe you have lost contact with them. So I think that's one of the ways to do it. But I do think that wellness practices actually can really be helpful. And so wellness practices are like, um, you know, the mindfulness practices, but also going for a walk, um, being in nature, um, having those moments, let's say, especially with children, because children go through, of course, as you know, they go through divorce as well. And so how do you create new memories with them that are about you being with them in a different way than they're used to being with their with their dad, right? So I think those things can be important because when we're thinking about another person, it's like we have um, you know, we have resilient circuits in our brain. It's really exciting, actually. I always get so excited when I know that we're designed for well-being. Mm-hmm. How do you start? creating pathways of well-being when you've gone through something traumatic. And one of those things is creating new memories with your kids, if you have Mm. kids, or new memories with others. And that doesn't mean, like we said, that those triggers don't happen. But it's like, how can you, there's there's concepts in neuroscience, they're called pruning and tuning. So tuning are tuning the new positive experiences in your life. And when you tune them, you not only think about them, but you try to sense them. So let's say that you like to go for walks in the countryside. And as you go for the walk in the countryside, you look around and you see, you hear the birds, you see the beautiful landscape. Maybe there's the smell of sage or whatever smell that you like, right? And if you take a moment, and this is where mindfulness practices are helpful, Mm -hmm. and you notice what's happening inside as you're having this nourishing experience, we call it resourcing then that's creating new tuning, new pathways, right? And guess what happens? Let's, we're going to use the, the, um, the field as an example. So if you've ever been on a hike and you, you, you're on a certain pathway, there's usually a well-worn path. Mm-hmm. But sometimes nearby, there's a path that people aren't using as much. You can still see the outline, but it's not as, it's not as, 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 uh, as traveled, right? Have you seen those kind of things? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's the same way is with our nervous system and with trauma. So if you decide that what you're going to pay attention to is all the, the betrayals mm. of your ex, and that's what you're going to focus on, guess what you're doing with that well-worn pathway? Yeah. It's just getting deeper and deeper. And it's not just what you think. It's your whole body. You can get tight in your body. Your muscles tense. Your belly may start to hurt. Lots of people start having physical pain, don't they, after a divorce? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you think about it, right, it's like they're they're really traveling down that well-worn pathway. So pruning, what does pruning mean? Pruning means it's like that pathway that's disappearing. If you if you don't spend a lot of time with it, it starts to change, mm-hmm. right? So you can lose it. That would be good. So how do you create a new pathway? And remember that human beings, all of us are designed um, for well-being. And sometimes people don't believe that, but it's true. Neuroscientists are proving that, right? There's something called neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. which means the brain can change. So as much as you're suffering right now, you don't have to suffer forever. And suffering's part of the human condition. But the way that we can mitigate, we can reduce suffering is by spending more time with those things that nourish us. And sometimes, honestly, this may sound simple for some people. Let's say that I'll tell you something about myself. I love to do dishes. 
I love the warm water on my hands. So like if I'm sometimes feeling like out of sorts, I'm going to go and do the dishes. I won't even put them in the dishwasher because I love to feel the sudsy water on my hands. And when I do that, I notice that I take a deeper breath. My muscles relax. I'm mindful of the present moment Mm -hmm. in doing such a normal task of daily living. And so that's tuning my nervous system and creating a pathway of well-being. So what I would suggest to anyone who's suffering right now, even if it's the smallest thing, start doing little things, paying attention to what nourishes you. It could be washing the dishes. It could be mowing the lawn. It could be, it could be taking a shower, you know, those kinds of things that provide nourishment from you. Pay attention to not just what you think, but what you sense, because part of the work that I've done in the world and this is so important for the your, your answer. There's something called interoceptive awareness. What does that mean? It means reading your nervous system. It's just like, you know, your children and you learn to read when you were little, right? There's something called a growing body of, of um, evidence about body literacy and that people who can pay attention to their sensations of well-being have better affect control and impulse control. So think about how important that is when you are moving through suffering after a divorce, right? That if we can pay attention to those sensations of well-being, it changes us. Now, we already pay attention to sensations. For example, I don't know, where do you live? Uh, do you Pens- live in Pennsylvania? Well, it's cold in Pennsylvania, right? Oh, yeah, it's freezing. That's why I got <laughs> I think we just on. watched a football. Yes, it's very cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I live in California, right? So let's say, okay, let's say that you walk outside and it's two degrees below and you walk out with shorts and a t-shirt. What is your body going to tell you? You're freezing. Yeah, it's cold. You're freezing. (laughs) So you're going to be freezing ass cold. Okay. So then what are you going to do? Are you going to stay out there and just continue to be freezing ass cold? No. So what are you going to do? Uh, you go in and and bundle up or, or sit by the heater, fire, whatever, you know, you would get out of that situation. Well, guess what? You just read your nervous system. So our nervous system is designed for us to pay attention, to try to maintain balance. So when you walked out this t-shirt, your nervous system was out of balance. So then you read your nervous system. I'm cold. Oh, go inside, put jacket on, right? Yeah. Then you can go back out again and you can be in a state of, as, as much as you can be in balance with two degrees. Right. Oh, you know, right. But, but you see what I'm saying, Sure. but that's true with everything that we do in life. So if we start to sense and pay attention to those sensations, so let's say, okay, every time I drop my kids off at my ex-wife's house, I can feel the tension in my arms as mm. I'm holding the steering wheel. I can feel heat in my ears. I can feel yes. my body getting tense. Okay. You know that, right? Yes. Yes. You're familiar with that. Yes. So that's like going outside without the jacket. Mm. So let's say, what can I do? in order to, at this moment, to balance my nervous system. Now, some of the skills that I share with people all over the world are so simple, really. It can be as simple as I'm going to hold onto the steering wheel and feel the leather or the plastic in my hands. And I'm just going to notice me holding the steering wheel. I'm going to feel my butt in the chair of the cushion of the seat of my car. Okay, I can feel that. Now, when we do that, that's a form of mindfulness attention with our body in the present moment. And what tends to happen automatically is we take a deep breath. Now, I tend to ground with my hand because I'm on Zoom calls a lot. I have my talk show, blah, blah, blah. And if someone's like, you know, I'm feeling that little tension of getting out of my zone of well-being, I'll just put my hand on the desk. And guess what happens? I've practiced it so many times. It's happening right now. I just took a breath. It's so automatic. 
Mm. I don't do it with intention. I do it because my body's used to, oh, she's settling right now. And that natural spontaneous breath comes into the present moment. So I can't say enough how important it is for every one of your listeners who may be suffering right now to learn body literacy. I actually just wrote another piece on psychology today about body literacy that you can take a look at and share with your, your folks. Cause it talks a little bit about how you can go about doing that and think about for children, mm. how important it is for kids. And I have to say, I've had the joy of taking this to kids around the world. And oh my gosh, it just, it brings tears to my eyes because kids are pretty good at going, Oh, when, you know, when I, I'm not with daddy, I have a, t- I have, I have something in my tummy. It, it hurts. It's something yeah. fuzzy and icky, right? Yeah. right? So they're reading their nervous system. Yeah. So then, you know, what do you do when, you know, you have to drop your kids off and you're not going to be with them all the time. You can actually help them saying, well, let's talk about what you and daddy like to do together. Okay. So when are we going to do that again? When you come back, we're going to go down and whatever it might be. And we're going to go for that walk or, you know what, you know what you do with between mommy's house and our house, you've got your teddy bear. Uh, let's let's talk about how you love your teddy bear and then you're bringing that child to the present moment of their little transitional object that they take between the two houses right uh, so sometimes some of the little interventions and you may already do them naturally are very simple but if we as the adults are more mindful of that that's also something that can help us when you say well you know how do we get you know how do we deal with the trauma i think the other part about it is and i mean you you kind of alluded to this in the beginning is that the divorce sometimes is the beginning of the trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Because then it's like, if you have kids, how are we going to manage being the best parents for these kids, right? And you may be in the mindset that I want to be, you know, because that mom is always going to be their mom. Mm -hmm. And so how do I, I had a client once um, in my private practice that the 13 year old was brought to me because she, she had told a friend she wanted to kill herself. Mm. So when I met with the parents, the father literally had on his ringtone when the mom would call, it was from the Wizard of Oz, ding dong, the witch is dead, <laughs> which is pretty funny. It but, is, but, but still. But, but what was it for the 13 year old? For the yeah. 13 year old, that was her yeah. mom. Yeah, she didn't want her mom to die. And of course, you know, we had, we actually had a conversation about it and both of the parents wanted the best for their 13 year old. They didn't want her to kill herself. And so a lot of the work I did, the 13 year old was actually the symptom bearer of the family. It was the parents that had to let go of some of their anger in order to be able to parent her. And you know what they did? Cause they loved her very much, but the little girl, I'll never forget this. She said, because we talked about different ways that she could communicate with them. And I said, well, what about an email? She goes, well, one of them will get angry if I put the other one's name first. <laughs> you imagine the pressure on the kid, right? Yeah. Well, we don't want to do that to kids. So it's like, but see, but this is part of the answer to your question. Yeah. It's not only the trauma of the divorce, but it's the trauma with, with the fallout, with the wake yeah. of the divorce, which can include children and friends and who's going to keep the friends, right? Mm. You know, and that can be another betrayal. You thought somebody was your buddy and all of a sudden they go with the wife and they don't go with you. It's like, so there's so many different avenues that where we can get touched. And so that's why I'm one of the first things I said about call up those relationships with those people that have your back. Yeah. So I want to sort of kind of like give like a uh, a play-by-play, we'll say in a way, or 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 an explanation as to why this is important, or 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 even in some ways like the work that needs to be done. So, 
we talked a lot, you talked a little bit about like, you know, the triggers essentially, right. Um, whether that be, you know, um, you know, you, you lose that friend and then you see they pop on Facebook or, or you drive by, uh, a restaurant that you used to go to or, or, um, you know, you had to do drop-offs and, and, and so, so you, you, let's, let's do the drop-off thing, right? You, you know, you you have to drop off the kids. It's, it's never fun. It's never been fun. Uh, I'm four and a half years out from separation and divorce was a year ago. So I'm, I'm okay. Uh, and I also understand, uh, um, which I think is the sort of the point of all this, how to soothe myself. Right. So, so I think it, so. You drop off the kids. You notice what's going on. Obviously, up here, this is immediate, right? This thing is this this brain sometimes is a more trouble than it's worth. Feels like sometimes, right? Um, that's the it's it's, yeah. it's our challenge, I think, right? Right. It, it so is. It, it, it's yeah. It's telling us, you know, uh, oh, this is depressing. This is sad. I hate that woman or whatever. It's telling us all these things. We're upset clearly, right? And so what we need to do at that point is listen to drop into whatever nomenclature you want to use, but pay attention to your body. Right. And I think the reason that we do this is so that we can learn where we're affected in our body and thus we can do things to soothe ourselves. So, you know, um, you, you mentioned, I think, uh, ears get hot or there's a couple of things you mentioned, but let's say it's, right. um, uh, I don't know, you, you get a, a tightness in your chest, let's just say, um, okay. is, is the point, I, this is my, this is what I believe. This is what I teach guys that, that I work with is the point not to, to then sort of massage that area, to drop into your body, to, to ultimately get out of fight or flight, freeze or fawn, whatever, whatever non, uh, prefrontal cortex situation is going on. Right. Is it not the point to soothe yourself, to come back into your prefrontal cortex so you can calm down? Is, isn't that the reason why we're listening to you, our bodies? You, yes, that's a, you just said it really well. You've been well-schooled. Well and so, <laughs> yeah. yes, because when we soothe ourselves, right, in whatever way, that we can, we can we're going to be talking. And, and why the sensory system is so important, and, and you mentioned it, is that we have, we have our prefrontal cortex, right? That's like our executive, our, our executive team, right, manages everything. But that executive team <laughs> goes to lunch, <laughs> When our bodies get activated by a trigger, right? Yeah. It decides to say, I'm out of here, right? Yeah. Because the amygdala, which is our threat, I just love the amygdala because it's our threat detector. But that amygdala, which I call Amy G for short, right? Because Amy G has a suitcase <laughs> of memories, right? She remembers every good and bad thing that's happened to us. Why the the restaurant that used to be beloved now is mm. triggering us because it has a mixed bag, right? But it's in that suitcase. But so it's designed to remember the negative things that have happened to us. And the best way that I, and I talk about this in the article in Psychology Today, I love the concept of a memory capsule. Dr. Robert Scare, who passed a couple of years ago, is a lovely man. He was a um, neurologist. He was from uh, Colorado. And he tried to make this simpler so people could understand. And I just love this idea of a memory capsule. So think about this memory capsule is inside your body. It's dormant. And so then you're driving into your ex-wife's house and all of a sudden, let's say, I don't know, let's say what, what triggers you when you drive the kids? What, what, what's, what's the thing that triggers you? Um, I think just making that last turn where, I, where okay. I'm, I'm headed so to drop them off. Okay. And that's perfect. So you're making that last turn, which is a really a body, you know, your hands are on the wheel. You make the last turn, you see the house and then pop. 
there is that memory capsule that's dormant inside that all the ingredients of whatever's in there, and everybody has different ones, right? It could be tension. It can be being a little pissed off. Who knows? I'm not going to, you know, you know what your memory capsule is and people who are listening know what they are. So all of a sudden that's there. So if you say to that memory capsule, stop memory capsule, I don't, don't want you. Guess what? You are using the language of the prefrontal cortex and it's gone to lunch. Mm, <laughs> so it's right, not right. going to listen to you, right? They're out to lunch. Yeah. So what you have to do then, you have to use the language of our survival brain because the amygdala trigger, triggers, right? Our yeah. survival brain to take action. And that's what's happening when you turn the corner and that pop happens, right? It's your survival. Yeah. So then you have to sense your body. That's where I said, notice your, your butt in the seat of the car. Notice your hands on the steering wheel. You might even want to, you know, maybe the kids are in the back seat, and maybe you you sing a song together, mm-hmm. and you go, "Hey, let's sing Wheels on the Bus" as you're turning the corner. Right. See, you're tuning a new pathway. Mm-hmm. So then, what you're trying to do is you want to get that other pathway of the turn and seeing the house. You want it to be that light, light pathway in the field, mm-hmm. and that's the way you do it. But it has to be sensory. Because the thought alone isn't going to change the nervous system. And that's why the body and body literacy is so important. Um, I think I have to say, you know, I've been all over the world teaching these models and talking about this. And so many people have shared with me the degree of their suffering in the world. And they've tried so many different ways to get the prefrontal cortex. You know, like you said, well, sometimes I don't like what it's saying to me, right? Well, because you're not talking to it, you think you are, but it's gone to lunch. But if you all of a sudden sense your body and you notice what's happening in the present moment, then that can shift you. And sometimes the interventions, we have um, what's called, what I call help now to reset now strategies. And oh, they're so simple. Kids love them. Teachers love them to help with kids. Hmm. And they're like, hey, for just, if you find yourself getting bumped out, when you turn that corner, look straight ahead, wherever you need to look and name the colors. Oh, look, mm. there's a green, there's green grass. There's a red building. There's um, a blue car. When you're doing that, you're occupying your brain in a different way. And it oftentimes will bring the activation down yeah. and soothe yourself is the, your words, right? And soothe the nervous system. So by the time you get to the front door, you go, you don't go here. Right. There's the kid, right? Right, right, right. Okay, right. see you, see you in a couple of days, right? Because that's yeah. what you want to model to your children. Because yeah. if you're in that high zone or even in the low zone and disconnected, it's not good for your kids because you're the tuning fork for your children. Yeah. And so, as much as you can get into your zone by that sensory system or the help now strategies, the more that it can help you and your kids. Yeah, I use that same. I I tend to get anxiety uh, over the last year, which is rare for me. I've never been an anxious person, but the last year has really tested me because of all kinds of things, not just a divorce, more more so my 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 real job. Um, and I've I've sort of developed this thing, which was just from people like yourself having conversations, and and I do that where I you know I pick four things that I, that I can see and that I can hear and that I can feel, like I'll touch you know my Perfect. jeans or and and I. Yay. It's, yeah, it, it brings you back to baseline, I guess. I mean, I think there's that the app. Yeah, I think it, you know, we call, we call, you can call it what you want, really. We call it the resilience zone. Mm. And I also want to tell you, I have a free app that people can oh, download. Cool. It's called iChill. <laughs> Isn't that good? iChill. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's available in smartphones. And so it goes through the, the, the model that I've been sharing with you. It actually also shows you some graphics of how I describe the zones. And it's my voice in English. It's also in Spanish. 
and Ukrainian. <laughs> That's a, we have a big I have a big project in Ukraine helping uh, Ukrainian teachers. So we were able to get sounds, a funder to nice. do that. So if anybody's listening in Ukrainian, you can also listen to it in Ukrainian. But I think the important thing is that the iChill app has been really important for people because it's a way you can practice. You know, you can listen to it while you're in the car. Like yeah. when you're, you know, driving to pick up, you know, pick your wife up, pick your wife up, drop the children off. Right, um, right. So those kinds of things can be helpful. So iChill is the name of it. And if you have a smartphone and if you don't have a smartphone, it's, there's a we have a website. It's called iChillapp.com. OK, so I want to also I want to continue on this path of talking about, you know, paying attention to your body. Isn't it also advantageous? Because when when you start learning your body, you can know when you've been triggered without knowing you've been triggered, if that makes sense. So I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. And I guess I think that's helpful because sometimes we get in these states of mind and we don't know why, right? Um, we're just all of a sudden we're cranky or, or we're very sad and we don't really understand why. But I think if we learn to listen to our body, it can give us clues as to, you know, what's going on. So how much of our triggers are unconscious versus conscious? Well, that's really, that's a, that's a really great question. So remember that amygdala is designed to, to remember all the negative things that happened to us. And with trauma, trauma is not always remembered as a narrative story or experience that we can call it up and say, oh yeah, I remember the time that I was chased by a bear at Yosemite. We may not have that memory because mm -hmm. we saw the bear, we just started running and we may only have fragments of the narrative memory. It's called explicit memory. Mm. So ex explicit memory is factual memory. It's autobiographical memory. It will say, oh, last year my divorce was final on April 8th, whatever that may be. Right. But there's also, there's something else called implicit memory, which is body memory. And this is really the answer to your question. So when trauma um, is experienced, it can be held in the body. There's actually books that have been writ written about it. The Body Bears the Burden by um, Bessel van der Kolk. Um, I have a book called Building Resiliency to Trauma, where we have a really good chapter on, um, on these body memories that happen. And so when they happen, like let's say, let's say I'm going to give you another example. Let's say you're in the grocery store and you're, you know, you got a full cart of stuff and somebody walks by you. That's the perfume that your wife always wore. Mm. And all of a sudden you're tense, you're angry, and you're going, you say fuck on your, on your thing. Oh yeah, 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 you can curse. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't say that on mine, but I, I can say it here. Oh yeah, you I can. That word, yeah. <laughs> I say fork a lot in exchange, you know, after <laughs> seeing, uh, anyway, but you go, I, I am pissed off yeah. and you don't know why you're pissed off, but now you're going through getting, you know, the stuff, maybe you're more irritable towards the kids, but you have no idea. So Basically, you're having a physical reaction, okay, but you don't know why. So if you're having the physical reaction and you read your nervous system and you're bumped out of your resilient zone, you can you can like hold on to the cart, you know, start talking to your kids and maybe your nervous system will come back into balance again. But it may take a little bit more than that. You may need to look around and say, oh, look at that nice, um, look at all the different choices we have for apples today and your name in the red apples, right? Right, right? But then all of a sudden you stop and going, oh, I get it. I smell the perfume, but it may not be known to you right away. Because yeah. remember that the amygdala is designed to keep you safe. Mm. We are... Um, so kind of we're so amazing in this way. We are designed for survival and we're designed to to really automatically take action when something is threatening to us. 
But if the amygdala, if we remembered everything that threatened to, it would be too much for our explicit memory. So the body memory holds it in those memory capsules. So the memory capsule has that memory of the smell, but what used to be a nourishing smell is now a traumatic smell. Mm. And your body reacts, but you don't necessarily connect the fact that it was your ex-wife's perfume until you really later start thinking about it. How? Does that make sense what I'm saying, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I, it just made me think, like, how hard is it to to get this stuff, to practice this stuff, to how to heal? Like, I, I don't think you heal unless you learn these things, right? I, I, maybe I'm wrong here, but I think these are absolutely necessary skills <laughs> that you need, amongst, I'm sure, some others. But how hard is it to, I know that's sort of a nebulous question, but no, how hard no, is but it to, I think, to no, get but I... this stuff? This is a really good question. I think it can be hard initially. It's like those triggers are, it's almost like you have a magnetic pull. You know, if you ever put two magnets together and they just click like that, right? Yeah. So you're trying to take that magnet away so it no longer has that same pull. Mm -hmm. And so like with something like a smell, and this is important, what do we, so you know, gosh, that, that, that smell, what if I, you know, have to work next to somebody that they always wear that same perfume? Mm. Does that mean I'm going to be pissed off all the time? Right. So what we can do instead is we can think about, and we don't even have to have the smell there. Right. We can think about our favorite smell and maybe it's the smell of lavender or lemon or whatever it may be. And we can call that up. I can actually smell lemon right now because I love lemons. I don't have a lemon with me, but I can, sure. in my imaginal field, I can bring it up. So then I'm going to pair the lemon, smell the smell, ex-wife, smell lemon. The more that you pair that, you're creating that new pathway again. Now, it's not going to happen overnight, but it happens in time. I worked with a Iraq veteran who um, he was blown up in an IED explosion. A couple of his friends died, sadly. And so every time that he went to get gas in his car and he smelled gasoline, what would happen to him? He'd, he'd go into a complete fear response. Sure. And so he learned over time that he could, he actually had the essential oil of lavender in his car that he would, he would sniff it before he went and pumped gas. And over time, it was no longer as activating for him, oh, but it took time. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that's, that's fascinating. That, okay. So, fascinating, isn't it? okay. So let's talk about that and sort of, uh, uh, more specific to divorce type of situation. We talked about dropping off the kids, but let's talk about um, messages. We get we get messages from, and I'm I'm working with a guy on this right now. He gets he can't he gets triggered anytime he gets a message from his ex wife. What can he do to navigate that trigger of every time a message pops up, he goes into flight mode or sometimes fight mode. What can he do to sort of start changing things? Well, I think the message again, so instead of it being the perfume, it's the message. Yeah. And so then what he would have to do then is can he, I often ask this question, what else is true? In that moment, where is he? Can he bring himself to the present moment away from the phone and the message? Mm. Maybe he's at a bowling alley. Maybe he's whatever he's doing. Yeah. And like you say, like your strategies of, of touching something, yeah. do something sensory to bring himself back into the present moment. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to throw the phone, right? Because right. right. he may want to do that, right? Sure. But you know what else you can do? You can imagine throwing the phone mm. because part of the models that, have been created regarding completing survival responses if you're stuck in it is just allow your body to do what it wants to do. Mm. So it may be just 
going like this with your arm or maybe even faster, right? Mm. I'm going to do it like this. Right. Now, what I often suggest to people, if they have a lot of that anger in their system, and I don't know what his exact response is, I'd say, stand up, go to the wall and push against the wall with as with your might, like you're going to push the wall down. What, the, what happens then is that energy connected to the message is leaving his body mm. and then he's going to get back back into his zone. And for some people, just thinking about the colors in the room is not going to be enough yeah. because the anger is so great against that ex-wife, that message, right? So doing something physical, because it's interesting, you know, our arms and legs, when we move our arms and legs, um, it does something to our nervous system. So if we're in the high zone and we've gotten really pissed off, and let's say you, we do the opposite, we get really depressed and down and we just don't even want to move out of the, out of our couch is that moving the body. Mm. It's like, it's a, it's like gasoline, positive gasoline, positive energy yeah. to our nervous system that it can actually bring us back up to that zone of well being If we're in low, it can also bring us back into the resilient zone if we go into high. So, so I would suggest him if it's really big energy, Stand up, push against the wall. If he doesn't like pushing his hands against the wall, some some people don't. Um, I've worked a lot with um, people that have been incarcerated and they don't like to push their hands against the wall because it reminds them of being frisked. Yeah. So they they just I say, well, what could you do that would be something similar? Okay, I can move my my back against the wall and push against it. And so any way to move those large muscles, but also just you know get a one of those um those punching bag things that you can put into your you know garage and if you're feeling a lot of that energy just go ahead and punch the bag but the difference is it's not just punching it fast it's punching it so you can really sense that your body's completing a movement so that your body releases the stuck energy that's connected to the energy of oftentimes anger that you may have towards the ex yeah. it's going to help you and it's going to help your children because then you won't be so angry around them when you have these things happen. Yeah. So let's focus in on anger. Cause I think for men, well, I don't think I know for men, this is a, I, I also run a support group on Facebook with, with help of some really, really great men. Um, it's, a, there's about 7,000 men in there and, uh, I see anger pretty frequently. Um, and for me, it's, it's frustrating because I, I, I think mostly their anger goes it becomes their only tool in the tool bag and that's uh, that's all they lean on that's all they use it becomes extreme um okay so if in terms of the of, of dealing with the trauma where does anger fit in there and, and and if you don't have any should you have some does it help you to recover and if you have too much does it hinder um so let's talk yeah let's talk about that let's talk about how anger and the and the healing of trauma intertwine well, I think that anger can definitely is a part of trauma, um, but it also can be if a person is disconnected, there's something that's called the freeze response. And you, I know that you probably talked about it on your show before, but sometimes let's say that it was an unexpected divorce and all of a sudden your wife, you know, says, you know, I'm, I'm done, you know, I want to end it. And you're like, dear, the headlights. Yes. And at that moment, right, that's that what happened to you? Oh, yeah. You're doing headlights and it's like, it's, you almost can't speak yeah. because we can get, you know, we can get um, scared speechless, right? It's kind of, you're so scared because of what that means to you in your whole life, your body responds to in that, in that freeze response. Now the freeze response 
even though you can't do that, doesn't mean that you're not angry, but you may not be able to sense your anger because you almost go, you go into this protective mode of shock and there are hormones that are released in your body so that you don't feel things as, as, as deeply. Hmm. And sometimes over time, when that it's kind of like when we um, have something frozen in the, in our freezer and we unthaw it over time, it changes in shape and it becomes softer, blah, blah, blah. So what happens with the freeze response in humans is over time, we can start to defrost that freeze. And when that happens, we can start sensing the anger and it can be surprising to us because we've been so kind of almost chilled to too much, but mm. then all of a sudden there's the pop-up of these sparks of anger that happen when we're thawing out. Mm. So that can be part and parcel of the process for some people. And I think that when we use the nervous system, you know, I talk about, I don't like the the term fawn. I'll, I'll tell you why, but I use tend and befriend rather than fawn. I actually wrote an article about it on psychology today. I'll send it to you. Sure. But tending and befriending, fight, flight, and freeze are the four responses. And they're adaptive responses to keep us alive. Sure. You know, so, you know, when I talk about tending and befriending, I'm saying more women do, do it than men, but men do it too. And it's when they over... Um, Oh, well, what can I do for you? Almost to the oh, extreme yeah. Yeah. of helping someone or even the ex-wife to the point, oh, yeah. hey, buddy, what are you doing that for? Yeah. He's kicking you in the balls and you're going over there taking their casseroles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, I see that, that too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. but that's part of a survival response. And tending and befriending can be as much of a survival response as the fight response and the anger. Mm. And also the freeze response, which is a shock. Mm. But but remember that these survival responses are not a one-way ticket. There may be different ways that you have you you experience it over time, depending on the situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes tending and befriending an ex, okay. Oh, you say you're going out with the new one. Oh, mm -hmm. you're gonna and you want me to watch the kids. Okay, I'll take the kids that weekend, right. because you know that tending and befriending is going to help you later. But it also helps your kids, right? That you're with your kids that way. So I don't look at survival responses as being bad. Now, if the anger is such that you're hurting yourself, you're hurting your children, you're threatening your wife, and we see every day in the paper where someone's killed their wife, right? Sadly, sadly. Yeah. That that is what we don't want to happen. So we, we have to have a way to discharge that extreme anger. Yeah. And some of that is working with your nervous system to release that anger that's in the body in a way that it's not going to harm yourself or others. Cause you know, I've seen guys where they punch themselves, right. Sure. Or they punched holes in walls. Yep. We don't want that to happen to you. We don't want you to be hurt or we don't want you to hurt you, your, your ex-wife or your kids. So allow that energy to come out, but in healthful ways. And that's where sometimes even just punching in the air, but slower and mm -hmm. noticing the, the punch without actually hurting someone and just noticing the release. Now, what I would do when I had a private practice, when I would see that kind of anger in some men and they'd always go, but Elaine, I might knock you over. I go, it's okay. I would hold up a pillow and yeah. let them just move into the pillow. Right. But it's not just like uncontrolled, like cathartic, crazy hitting. It's like more controlled into the pillow so they could feel that there was someone pushing against it the other way so they could feel the release. Cause I don't ever want to convey to someone that I think it's okay to be violent. Right. It is okay to get the energy out of your system. Mm. 
And that's where there's more helpful, mindful ways to do that. I think that's why some people get involved in martial arts. Sure. And I would suggest that to a lot of the guys that are sitting there. I got all this pent up stuff. Get involved in, you know, my, many of the martial arts, their ultimate goal was for peace. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Yep. And so some of those things can be very helpful. But I also want to say to them that because you may have these experiences of these survival responses, doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It means that you're incredibly human and the discernment of like, even listening to a podcast like this is what you decide to do differently to create a new pathway. Because sadly, there are some people that end up spending the rest of their life in jail because of this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any interest in that. Yeah. Or worse. Yeah. And, and so I think I, I get, I think one of the reasons I get frustrated when I see men lean on nothing but anger is I feel like it's, um, it's they're, they're behaving a bit like toddlers. It's because they don't have the skills uh, to deal with the hurt. Isn't, you know, you talk about exhausting the energy. I, I've always feel like that's important because it allows you to get underneath what's really fueling that anger, right? Isn't it really, doesn't it boil down to your feelings or hurt or ashamed or, or, or whatever, like those type think, of. Emotions. Yeah. Well, I think that it, it it's, you know, I, th- I look at it this way. I think about there's three doorways that we can use as humans for healing. One is we can say, well, how are you feeling about this? Now, you know that many men are not real good about talking about hurt. Oh, yeah. That it's easier sometimes for them to talk about anger. Sure. Right? Not all, but I'm not, I don't want to overgeneralize. No, I got you. Um, So we talk about feelings. It's important to get those feelings out. But what if you get those feelings out, but you still feel like shit? Yeah. Right. Like, well, you said, if I told you my feelings, I'd feel better, but I don't feel better. Right, right. So then, okay. So what's another doorway? Well, we can change our way. We think like, you know, there's cognitive behavioral therapies where there's these thought records where you take a distorted thought and you try to create new thoughts, which yeah. has been helpful. Yep. But, when, but, but, but when it's in the body in such an extreme way, I say, let's work with sensations mm. because that's a portal of intervention that most therapists don't know unless they're trained in, the trauma resiliency model, which I created or somatic experiencing or sensory motor psychotherapy. These are all body-based interventions, which I think can be really helpful Mm. to complete the survival responses because what you're looking at, I hope maybe I'll give you a different framework about anger and, you know, like getting frustrated like toddlers. It's like, because they're stuck, Mm. they aren't able to complete a process that is human. You know, we didn't get so sophisticated until the last, what, 150 years or so. And so those responses of fight were very helpful for us to survive in situations that were more threatening. They don't work now, Mm -mm. right? They don't work, but we have to still have a way to get rid of that, which is why the martial arts can be so, so great. But also having these kind of completing survival responses. If it was fight, if it was flight, if it's flight, notice your feet moving. I've seen so many people sometimes are talking to me. Well, I just want to get rid of the bitch. And I go, <laughs> I notice your feet, your feet are moving. And right. I said, well, can you just notice your feet moving right now? And their feet will start to move. And then I said, just let them move the way they want to. And often, oftentimes I go, well, gosh, I'm actually feeling like I'm getting away from her or mm-hmm. him or whoever it may be. Right. And so I said, well, just notice that sensation of getting away. And when you notice it and sense it, sometimes there's a lot, a lot of shaking that happens. Like, you know, we have these um, uh, even colloquialisms um, in the English language, shake it off, right? There's a reason for that. Cause when we shake it off, 
the nervous system is coming back into balance and some of that anger is leaving. So for some of your guys that have that lot of that anger, I'd say teach them the pushing against the wall. Let them know that they can, um, you know, read some books about the body bears the burden mm. and maybe even finding a somatic based therapist that might be able to help them. Um, I'm sure there's some in Pen in Pennsylvania, oh. but there's also a lot of people online now that sure. work in this way. Yeah. So, so when you, you talk about, um, it's, a. I don't want to butcher your words, but I probably will <laughs> not intentionally. Um, it's okay. about co completing the process, right? So, so, um, what, what, what is that? Uh, so I guess that's the healing process, right. From trauma to healing, what I, I think, and then it, what, what does it look like? Whether it's, uh, depression, sadness, or anger, you know, frustration, like am I, Am I making any kind of sense? Well, no, I think you are, because I think, you know, one of the things I've seen, and I think you were alluding to it, is that sometimes there's, if we think about a coin and and trauma being two sides of a coin, there can be grief and sadness and on one side and then anger on the other. I mean, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. But sometimes when there's a lot of suffering and grief that's not being able to be expressed, it gets wrapped into being really angry all the time. Mm. And so get, having avenues that you can express your sorrow. And, you know, the, I think what happens, and, and please correct me, because you don't may not agree with me with this, is that I've seen with a lot of men that, it, you know, it can be not okay for them to express their feelings. They'd rather go to the gym and get yeah, it out I, the way than talk about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, but that doesn't mean that it may not be important. And, you know, when we talk about tears, mm. you know, there's a lot of research about tears now, and I mm. love the research. And some of the research that says that when you have emotional crying, it actually soothes, soothes the nervous system, mm. that oxytocin is released and endorphins are released in the body that actually comfort us. Yeah. But if you as a man have been told your entire life to yeah. suck it up, to don't cry. And so I hope, I imagine you already know this, but is to really encourage people to know about the research about it and saying, you know what, every now and then it's all right. I mean, you can do it in the bathroom, but yeah. let the tears out and notice the tears. Yeah. Because when we notice the warmth of the tears and the um, wetness of the tears, it actually helps to embody the tears to release it. Yeah. So it doesn't get stuck in there. Yeah. And I have to say, I have one person that works with me in my organization. And he said, I've never cried so much since I met you. <laughs> I said, well, and you know, and he's a big, tough guy. I love him. Right. Yeah. And he, he now cries on a regular basis. And he would, if he was sitting here with me, he'd say it changed him yeah. to be well, able to be able to do that. Right. Yeah, and I think, and that's, so that's the process, right? Like, or, or <laughs> how do you, how do you, can, can you complete the process? I guess we're talking about healing here, right. Without feeling without crying without feeling the the underlying emotions that fuel this anger like it, it isn't that like don't you have to feel those feelings and emotions rather than just be pissed off all the time i think that if you're pissed off all the time that you need to find it you need to find some kind of way to to release the tension that's in the body it's not good for you it's not good for your nervous system it's not good for your long-term health i mean that's where the cortisol levels right sure that you know they're, they're only supposed to be there for short acting but if they're there all the time that it depletes your immune system which is mm. why people can get sick and be susceptible to all sorts of chronic illnesses chronic pain etc cetera, etc cetera. So having a mechanism to release that is very important, but I don't want anyone to think that it's easy to do that. Oh, no, 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 no. definitely. Yeah, not. because it's not. And also it's also because the injury doesn't stop. 
especially yes. as long as you have kids. Yeah, yeah. Because as long True. as you have kids, I remember my next door neighbor when she divorced her husband, she said, I never realized that when we got divorced that I would be divorced to him for the rest of my life. Yeah, and so yeah. that was college graduation, high school oh, graduation, yeah. weddings, all those things that you have to deal with so that it's not over, which is why it's so important to start reading your nervous system. Because it's like you give yourself the antidote when you are able to like that metaphor that we used about going outside in the cold in Pennsylvania and then putting the coat right. on. Right. But if you continue not to know where that coat is in your life, when it's anger, then you're going to be someone who's going to be living in a lot of rage. And that's not going to be good for you or any bit or anybody else that's in your life or creating a new life for yourself with a new partner. You know, how many times have you seen guys oh, yeah. repeat sometimes the same mistakes it's just a different woman with a different face. I had a friend yeah. that was married five times. I said, baby, don't marry the next one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just kind of test it out for a while, right? Yeah. But I mean, I think that's what happens. And so, but I guess what I, I think what's important for people to know is that there's hope. Sure. That they don't have to be stuck in that. No. That there's ways it may take them some energy and time. I would really suggest that they listen to the iChill app. And they remember their body. Their body's important in a healthy way. Yeah. And it's not just for sex, right? Right. Because, you know, because that's the other thing, you know, sex can be a relief. Sure. And so there's there's that release, that discharge, all that stuff that's yeah. helpful. But that's one way. And it, it's not the only way that's going to help you with the kind of anger that you may get when you're dropping your kids off, right? Yeah. So I think that's the other thing. Because I've seen, some, you know, the addictions start to come in. Sure. We can get addicted to drugs, alcohol, porn, whatever it is. And then you have another trajectory in your life that is causing you not to be in your best self. Well, and I, I just want to hone in on this because I think it is important because I think, you know, when you look at uh, the male suicide numbers, uh, it's 105 every day in America. Uh, the last I looked, it was 38 of those were divorced men. I don't know the nuance to the data that they were divorced five minutes or 25 years or whatever, but um, I think there is this, there is absolutely a tendency for men um, not allowed, not being allowed, uh, certainly being conditioned to not feel their feelings and, and, but, but anger we can, right. That's one lust a little bit and, and uh, ha you know, like joy over, you know, sports teams or whatever, which sadly my Steelers lost yesterday, but anyway, I'm so sorry about that. It happens. Yeah, um, unfortunately it's happened a lot under my time <laughs> yeah, in the playoffs over the last I have a good friend that was very depressed yesterday because of the Eagles. So, you know, ah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, yeah, we have yeah. a lot of that around here too. Yes. Um, but I think I want to, I, wanna, I just want to make sure we're, 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 so I feel like I need to emphasize this because I do feel like I do see a lot of men lean on their anger. And I think it's because they're avoiding the feelings and the emotions. I always, I say all the time, we have, we do have tear ducts, fellas. Like they're there. They're, they're it's not like it's a rare thing. We, they're, they're in this model. Um, and so isn't, I just, Maybe I'm maybe I'm off here, but I feel like I really want to emphasize that I think it's important that that these guys that are angry not only exhaust their anger in a way, but get to the core and the root. What I feel is the core and the root isn't, and that is hurt. Am I wrong? Yeah, I know you're not wrong, but I think what it is is that the anger becomes like your armor. Sure. Right. Because if you if you if you decide to let's say I'm going to get real and I'm going to talk about how hurt I am, which is not common for them to express. Yes. And if they let that armor down, then will they experience more hurt? Mm. You see what I'm saying? And so it's almost like you know it's not easy to heal. Yeah. Um, and it takes oh, no. 
energy and support and, and oftentimes love. I mean, I know we haven't really talked about love, but you know, and that's where those relationships come in again. But I also, you know, but I also want, I think it's important for people to understand that anger is an emotion, but if that's the only way that they're expressing the breakup and they're not willing to go and, you know, talk about the hurt or the grief of, of the loss, then they're going to be stuck in this anger mode yeah. That's not going to, that's not going to benefit them, their children, or, or their present moment or their future relationships. If you can't, if you can't release it somehow. And that's why, you know, sometimes I guess what I want to say to you too, which I I know this, and here I'm an old trauma therapist. You're going to not believe what I'm going to say. Sometimes I found that people may not want to talk about whatever the trauma is. Sure. Now, as an old trauma therapist, I said, well, if you don't talk about it, you're never going to heal. I have learned that's not the case. Okay. So that for, that's, yeah. Okay. I'm okay, sorry. I, I, that, I, that's, for, that's what I was trying to get to. It's like, okay, yes. Yeah. For do you some have to people, experience that pain? For some people, it's enough to learn to regulate your nervous system. That when you're feeling those sensations connected to your anger, hot ears, oh, my hands are like this. Wait a second. What else can I do? Oh, my feet feel better. Oh my gosh, when I think about that beautiful sunset, my body cools down. So what happens when you do that, you are dealing with the anger, but from the body being the source Mm -hmm. rather than the feelings being the source. But what happens with that, which is quite a miraculous thing, the way we're designed, is that oftentimes when we do that, there can be greater acknowledgement that there is a feeling because the armor is getting distracted by bringing sensations about wellness into the present moment. Oh, you get that? Yeah, it's really an important thing to get. That's fascinating. It is. All it's right. fascinating. Repeat it's that fascinating. one more time because I really so want to lock you, that in. So think about the sensation, three doorways, feelings, yep. thinking, sensation. Yep. So when we decide when, let's say we're so angry, but we don't want to feel, we don't want to talk about feelings yep. and we don't want to talk about, um, a cognitive reframe, yep. but we say, okay, what's happening in my body when I get angry? Hmm. I have hot ears. My ha- hands go into a fist. Yep. My body's tight. Yep. How can we shift that body tension and bring more well-being into your body, which causes you to access your parasympathetic nervous system, which is for rest and digest? Oh, I'm going to push against the wall. That helps that energy leave. I'm going to think about um, how much I love skiing in the winter. I'm going to think about a time, and this is also interesting. I'm going to think about a time that's cooler than this moment Mm -hmm. because I am so hot right now. Oh, that time I went for that walk in the snow, blah, blah, blah. Because if we can imagine it, we can sense something differently. So then the heat subsides, the tension leaves. And instead of being angry, we're going, Oh, okay. Yeah. And maybe even some sadness, but the other thing that happens, we haven't talked about this and this has been so interesting for me to see this is there is this emergence of self-compassion because ultimately many of us, women, female, trans, middle, whatever, when we have that degree of anger, we have no self-compassion, but when we have the the emergence of self-compassion, we have more compassion for others, even an ex-wife. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I remember what happened to her when she was a kid. This makes sense. Now you have a larger picture. It's like, instead of the lens being here, the lens is wider. 
you know, I read something from Desmond Tutu that was so beautiful. And he talked about, well, I guess one, I don't know if he saw the interview or he talked to someone who'd been an astronaut. Hmm. And the astronaut told him that once he saw the earth from space, he no longer thought about how we are individuals, but how we are, we are humanity. And I, and I know this is kind of maybe a broader subject, but, but I think this is what happens when we sense our humanity by even sensing how we can come into a space of well-being, it opens up the blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. That expansion allows self-compassion to come in mm-hmm. and that self-compassion leads to compassion for others. It's really yeah. quite remarkable the way we're designed. And I guess I've seen it so many times. We have a group of people in the model that I've created that are working in Rwanda, working with genocide perpetrators and finding that they can actually help people who've done the most heinous acts with anger and rage to find self-compassion, to build a new present Mm. and future. They've already spent time in prison, but isn't that what we're called to do? Otherwise we create a prison in ourselves we don't have to be locked up to create that prison for ourselves of anger and rage. Yeah, that's profound stuff. I think, you know, it's kind of around sort of the topic of forgiveness and, you know, having compassion for the other. I think that is an important component. I know that for me, it took me a long time to even want to hear something like that, let alone like sort of try and tiptoe towards it. Um, But I do think that that is an important part because I think, I think he can't hold on to it. Number one, I think in, in some kind of, well, you kind of described it. I feel like I I didn't know this, you know, by, by description, but like, I, I, I kind of feel like the, the more I can kind of forgive her, the more I can kind of forgive myself because even though like I was angry and she left and she's the one who ended and everything, there's also still a part of me that's mad at myself for, for it happening because of, uh, I, I was not perfect. I made many, many, many mistakes. Uh, you know, we, it, we'd be yeah. here till tomorrow if I listed them all out. Um, well, I think if you show me a perfect person, maybe you have to show me a graveyard. <laughs> that exists in the living. But you know what? I can Very I ask true. you a question that when sure. you say, you said, do you have more forgiveness for yourself right now in this moment? Um, ooh. um, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I would say more than I did, uh, four years ago, uh, for sure. Um, so let me ask you this, when you say more than you did four years ago, this is a funny question. This is about your sensations again. Where does that land in your body more? It doesn't have to be perfect. Remember more than Uh, I used to, where do you notice inside your body when you say, okay, I have more than, is it in your face is in your heart is in your arms your legs where is that more than i used to i think it's a i I hate to feel like i'm cheating but i think it's a general overall lighterness if that makes any kind of sense oh no it totally does so i hear that a lot so can i just invite you for just a moment this is what i'm talking about can you notice the overall even a little bit the lightness sure oh yeah shift so can you savor it for just a moment just notice it for a few minutes sure Notice that that lightness for a few moments and see if anything else happens as you notice the lightness. I, I think there's a there there in a weird way, there is a sense of pride because I did so much work to get to this point. Like I, you know, I golly, you talk about, you know, this stuff isn't easy. I am well aware mm-hmm. that it is well, not 
easy. So it when is you really say, I'm going to ask you one more question, because this sure. is important. You said you just had a meaning, which is pride. Sure. So can you, this is the next question. Can you notice where the pride lands inside? Oh, my chest for sure. Yeah. Can you sense it? Oh, and did you notice this right here? So that's oh, yeah. the thing you mentioned. I know as we're getting close to end. Sure. Can I invite you just to notice your hand to your chest? Sure. And so when you do that, what what else do you notice? Oh, did you notice you just took a deep breath? I did, yeah. You did. That's the autonomic nervous system that you're, you're, you're parasympathetic. So this is why all the things I'm talking about are important. Yeah, I didn't mention gestures, which are underneath conscious awareness, but I have to say it's so beautiful to see you do this. I've seen it all over the world when people talk about something that's meaningful to them, that they'll put their, and so that I like to catch it because when you catch it, right, look at your smiling right now, <laughs> it's that um, it actually, it's like that tuning your well-being. And so that's what I would, you know, suggest to everyone to try to catch it, you know, catch it and notice it, the light, the lightness when it happens, it's not always there, but when it is, that we are, it's kind of like the cream rises to the top, mm. that you could feel a little bit more of the forgiveness and then it was pride. And that is recognizing how hard you've worked, even including having this podcast where you, you know, you're helping so many other people, goodness gracious, 7,000 people, guys on your Facebook support group. I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I was not in a good place when it initially happened and we can, we'll get to the last question here after my little a little explanation, but um, of, as to sort of why I'm doing this or whatever. And I don't know why I need to explain it, but I just, I guess sometimes I worry about people's um, thoughts about my motivations. And and the bottom line is, is I was suicidal. I was, and I had a, a man who was a, a friend of a friend. I'd, I'd known him uh, well, we hung out, but he wasn't my best friend, um, but he had been through it and he was the light in my darkness. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know I probably wouldn't have because of my children, but man, I was in a very low place and I didn't have anyone to really go to. Um, you know, I mean, I had other friends, but if you've never been through it, you don't get it. It, it just, at least in terms of the di divorce, because it's not just, and I'm sure other traumas are significant too. I'm not trying to downplay those, but it is all encompassing. It is everything. It is your identity. It is your, your life, your, your living conditions in terms of who lives with you. It is your financials. It is friendships. It is, uh, uh, your, your, your social events. I mean, it is everything. And, and he was that light in the darkness. And, and once I got to a little bit better place, I went through a, a self-help program. And one of the things, uh, you know, at the end of that was like, okay, now what, what are you going to do? What is the goal? And, and I just thought I'm going to try and help as many men as I can, because if, if it wasn't for Chris, I don't know that I'd be here and I want to try and be Chris to as many people as I possibly can. So that's why I do what I do. Um, that's why I talk about where I'm at and my feelings and what I'm going through. And um, just in the hopes that I can provide that light in, in, in someone else's darkness. So thank you for saying that it does mean a lot. It's I'm not the best at receiving. I'm getting better. I feel like, okay. you know, well, you know, and the thing about, it, but I won't do it, but I really, maybe after the show's over, is that really notice what it's like inside your body to be able to admit that and to say mm -hmm. it out. Loud. That's really, that's really what life is about. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Um, before we get to the last question, I want to ask you, where can people find you? What's the best way to reach you? I know okay, you mentioned so, some things before, but let's cover. Yeah, they can reach me at Elaine at resiliencywithin.com. That's my, um, my other, I have many different <laughs> emails, but that's the one for my co consultation business and for my gotcha. talk show. 
And uh, that's where people can reach me. And they can find my book, Building Resiliency to Trauma on Amazon. Make sure they get the second edition that came out in March of 2023. And that talks about a lot of the things that we've been talking about. And and even though um, some of it's written for therapists, but a lot of it's written for laypersons. So you don't have to be a therapist to get something out of it. Awesome. Uh, well, I'm definitely going to, I'm going to order one. I can tell you that. Um, so the last question that I ask everyone is what words of wisdom would you impart to a man who is just beginning his divorce journey? Be gentle with yourself and, and reach out. Like you talked about that one friend. It's kind of what we said in the very beginning is try to find that one friend, that one person so that you have an anchor but be gentle with yourself. It takes time. It does. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and, and giving me uh, so much of your time and your wisdom. I really, truly appreciate it. Thank you. Well, you are very welcome. So um, it's, it's really was fun. I mean, I know that fun's kind of a weird word, word to say. We're talking about all these deep things, but I think it's important that we share these things that can help people. And I know that that's one of your dedications. So absolutely. Thank yes. You. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Since my separation in July of 2019, I have done an incredible amount of work on myself. I've had many different therapists, life coaches, and went through different programs. I've taken all that I've learned and put it into my own program called Forged by Fire. If you are interested in having me help you navigate your divorce, please hit my website, risingphoenixdivorcecoach.com. I look forward to working with you.